RNZ Pacific at the Marie. I'm Maria Tuila Epitela with the news. The West Papua Liberation Army has released a new video of New Zealand hostage Philip Mertens. The Susi Air pilot was taken hostage on February 7 after landing in the remote region of Nduga. In the video sent to RNZ Pacific, the pilot, Mr Mertens, was instructed to read a statement saying that no foreign pilots are to work and fly into Highland Papua until Papua is independent. There were demands for West Papua independence in the statement. Mr Mertens was surrounded by more than a dozen people, some of them armed with weapons. RNZ Pacific has chosen not to publish the video. Meanwhile, an Indonesian military commander has turned down New Zealand's offer of assistance in an operation to release Mr Mertens. The Jakarta Post reports Admiral Yudo Margono saying that New Zealand Ambassador to Indonesia Kevin Burnett had offered assistance during his visit to the military headquarters last week. The Admiral says the Ambassador offered to help, but he himself is still able to complete the mission. Admiral Margono also reiterated that what was happening now was a law enforcement operation, not a military operation. Fiji's former Prime Minister Frankie Mbainimarama and suspended police chief Sitiveni Ngiliho have been granted bail. Both men have pleaded not guilty to one count each of abuse of office. According to local media reports, Magistrate Saini Poamal has set bail at 10000 Fijian dollars. Mr Mbainimarama and Mr Ngiliho have also been ordered not to leave the country and to reside at a permanent address. Magistrate Poamal also ordered them not to interfere with witnesses. They are expected in court on May 11. The NGO Save the Children says at least 2,500 people are still living in evacuation centres in Vanuatu following the destruction caused by cyclones last week. Pacific Manager for the organisation, Kim Cook, says there are still a lot of families, especially in Sheffa and Tafia provinces, living without power and water. Power is one thing, but what? Lack of access to clean water is a is a real issue, and um, we're concerned about hygiene um, and about get, getting people to a place where they can feel sheltered, safe, and have access to to safe food and water. The Australian Human Rights Law Centre says toxic politics was behind Canberra's refusal to endorse legislation to end offshore detention. The Migration Amendment Bill was introduced by Green Senator Nick Mitkim, but tossed out by Labour and the Liberal opposition. The law centre's senior lawyer, Scott Cosgriff, says the law changed for the remaining approximately 150 people trapped on Nauru was an opportunity to move to Australia after they have endured 10 years of inhuman treatment. And our submission really points to the absolute dysfunction of the pre-existing and current processes for transfers to Australia and the ongoing impact of family separation caused by the offshore detention policy. Scott Cosgrove says the toxic politics of the past two decades in Australia looms large over the detention centre issue. He says there was a lack of courage and political will.
Today marks 12 years since the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant disaster. On March 11, 2011, a major earthquake and a 15-metre tsunami disabled the power supply and cooling of three Fukushima Daiichi reactors, causing a nuclear accident. Twelve years on, and the company that owns the plant, TEPCO, is planning to release 1.3 million tonnes of ALPS treated radioactive wastewater from the wrecked Fukushima Daiichi power plants into the Pacific Ocean. Fukushima Governor Masao Uchibori says the decommissioning of the plant is a complex issue. He told RNZ Pacific he has heard the voices of concern and anxiety around the issue. In Pacific Island countries, the nuclear tests that have been conducted from the 1940s, the effects of those tests still remain. In order not to repeat such a tragedy ever again, we must eliminate nuclear weapons from the world. Efforts are being made to ensure Pacific nations can cope with changing tuna migration patterns in the region. Tuna migrations are already happening and are set to become more pronounced over the next 30 to 40 years due to climate change, bringing multi-million dollar impacts to Pacific economies. The Pacific community, through its Climate Science for Ensuring Pacific Tuna Access Program, aims to arm nations with the resources to counter this. Principal Fisheries Officer at the SPC, Simon Nickel, says if countries are to adjust their economies, they will need the best available information. And with funding from New Zealand, this is what the programme is intending to do. The intent of the work is to allow us to be able to make that much higher resolution analysis for the, on behalf of the Pacific Island countries. But there are a number of steps that we need to do along that way, and that includes strengthening up a number of uh, fisheries monitoring processes we have in place at the moment, and ocean monitoring places. Deforestation in Brazil's Amazon region reached record levels in February. The new figures highlight the challenges faced by the government of Luiz Ignacio da Silva, which has promised to reverse the loosening of environmental protections under the Bolsonaro administration. The BBC's Leonardo Rocha reports. Satellite images compiled by the Brazilian government show there's been a year-on-year increase of more than 60% in the area of Amazon rainforest destroyed. The rate of destruction was even higher in the Cerrado Savana region, which now produces most of the country's soya beans and other grains. The Bolsonaro administration cut resources from environmental and indigenous agencies, encouraging new agricultural and mining projects in protected areas. President Lula da Silva has promised to change that, but many feel it may take a lot longer than expected. Today is the final day of the biggest Pacific Secondary School cultural festival in the world. Since Wednesday, hundreds and thousands have gathered at the Monaco Sports Bowl for Polyfest, which showcases traditional Pacific music, dance, costumes and speech competitions, celebrating New Zealand's diverse cultures and youth performances. Emma Matea from Papatoetoe High School says no matter where you're from, Polyfest is for everyone. 
We would like to encourage everyone to, um, no matter what culture you are, it doesn't matter to come and embrace other people's culture. You know, we're all one. It is the first time the festival has been held in full and open to the public since 2018, after years of disruptions and cancellations. The Māori stage will run from the 3rd to the 5th of April at the Jew Drop Events Centre, giving participants time to recover from February's Te Matatini Kapahaka competition. In sport, flying Fijian swinger Eroni Sal will make his Super Rugby Pacific debut with the Fijian Undrua against the Crusaders in Suva today. Head coach McBurn has named a strong lineup as Meli Indara Rangi returns from injury from the impact bench and there's a potential debut for fly half Kimu Valentini. Sal was an original member of the Indrua in its early inception days in the Australian National Rugby League competition in the Rugby Championship and the Indrua won the title in 2018. McBurn says Seoul brings top level experience to the Super Rugby Pacific competition having played for the Flying Fijians as well as Edinburgh in Europe. The board of Fiji Rugby has removed the acting chief executive, Devita Tuiloa. Mr Tuiloa came in two months ago to replace John O'Connor. In the interim, the role is to be taken by the current union chair, Commodore Humphrey Tawake. And the Chiefs have continued their unbeaten start to the Super Rugby Pacific season with a 28-7 win over the Highlanders in Hamilton to cement them as early competition front-runners. And last night, the Rebels stunned the Waratahs 34-27 in Melbourne to lodge their first win of the season. That's the latest news from RNZ Pacific. For more on our stories, go to our website, rnzi.com. Have a great weekend.